If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Our reading for today comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. I want to welcome today our guest preacher, Bill Snyder. Bill and his wife, Ruth, live in Columbiana. They have two children and six grandchildren. Uh, just a little bit of information about Bill. Bill uh, taught chemistry for 43 years at Liberty High School, Poland High School, and YSU, and pastored a rural church ministry for 13 years called Beaver Creek Ministries. And Bill also, another connection with Midway, serves on uh, the board of God's choice. So I got to know Bill. We were uh, part of a search committee to hire a new executive director for the way station. And uh, I immediately really liked Bill and was kind of sad when that ended because I didn't get to see Bill very much after that. But we would bump into each other, uh, one at, at Beaver Creek State Park, which is a place that we're both very fond of, uh, and also a couple times at Generations Cafe. So I am uh, really thankful that you're here with us, Bill, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you very much, and uh, I am so excited to see the kids up here. A church that has children, a church that's going places, and kids, you did a great job wherever you are, and uh, I enjoyed that so much, and for those who help work with them. Uh, I want to start out just a little bit talking about you, if you don't mind, uh, and uh, I'm going to open my notes uh, just in, in uh, preparation for after that, talk about you. Uh, I actually was here in 1965 and 1966, and you don't remember me probably except for Harold, because uh, I was dating a young lady that attended this church, and I, she was my girlfriend for a couple years in, in high school. But I really want to talk about having been here for quite some time in the Columbiana area, that Midway Mennonite has stood out as a strong element of showing God's face and compassion and grace and, and goodness. And, um, you know, it was not too long ago, I guess, that uh, Rich and Terry Snyder, who are part of God, who are the major factor in God's choice here, I think, and I serve on the board of God's choice, and I've heard about them for a while. I just want to relay my my gratitude and Shirley Elosh's gratitude. And Rich and, and Terry, if you're here, will you just give me a little signal? <laughs> okay, thank you. All right. Yeah, so thank you so much. And I know that uh, Ruth, my wife, and I had a chance to work with God's Choice down in the East Liverpool area for a while. And I know you take home so much more blessing than you could ever give. And I know you give lots of blessings, blessings there. And then... My neighbors, um, uh, we're talking about you, uh, Super Bowl night, 
Uh, we went over there to see, uh, to, to spend some time with them. And, and Mrs. Um, uh, Richard, uh, Richard and, and Pam, the wife, they were so excited because I think it was that, Saturday, that weekend that they had the Presbyterian Church in Columbiana and the Midway Mennonite Church and another Catholic church had gone bound together to help some of the people at the East Liverpool or at the East, at the East Palestine uh, problem down there. And so you have stood out and continue to stand out as a strong piece of this, this area. Let us pray. Father, for this time, we thank you. We just want your spirit to open our hearts and minds. We pray that we would learn together what you have in your word. Amen. I might just bring this stool over here. so that I can place my Bible there when I need it. And I hope I hear the pages of your Bible turning to Hebrews chapter 12. That's the kind of noise you always like to hear. Now, Hebrews chapter 12. It, it's not always, uh, some of the words are a little different in some of the versions, and, and I've studied out of the NASB and others, and I know the NIV has was what we used behind us a short time ago. But they all say the same thing. But before I get into the scripture itself, I'd like to ask a question. What is your great goal in life? Well, that was the question as a teacher I would often ask to the students that I had. I would say, what is your great goal in life? And to help me get to know them a little better, and they'd fill out something on the note card, and I'd, they'd pass it in to me. And I looked them over. Do you know what the greatest goal in life of a junior and senior in high school would be? To make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that was by and far. The, the, my, my great goal in life is to make a lot of money. And there were others, of course, such as to find someone who loves me. I remember it was a common one. To be happy was another one. And so I'd ask you, you don't have to say it out loud, but as a Christ follower. Now, I know we have the word Christian. I think that word Christian can sometimes be diluted. I like to use the word Christ follower or the word disciple. And I've seen the word disciple popping up down in Sunday school today and up here. And, and so as a Christ follower, what is your great goal? And there could be a few of them, but their one must be the greatest, I suppose, to be with us as a motivation to be the type of Christian, to be the type of Christ follower that he wants us to be. And that's where we look at Hebrews chapter 12, talking about a race. And as we look at this race, I think we could divide this part into three little areas that start with P. One is a purpose and one is a plan, and one is a prize. We have a purpose in this race. There's a plan going on, and there's a few things under that one, and then there's a prize going on as well. So in the Christian life, we have a goal and we have a purpose. And just want to lead into that a little bit 
by using the word therefore. That's the first word in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I first learned the word therefore pretty well at the dinner table because mom would say, you cleaned up your vegetables, therefore you can have dessert. Oh, that was the, great to hear the therefore. There were times when the therefore wasn't so well taken. You didn't clean up your room, therefore you can't go to Jimmy's house to play. Therefore means something happened previously that affects what comes right at the moment. And that's where the, the writer to the Hebrews is saying, look back, look back at some people, therefore. Well, you know, the writer to the Hebrews was writing to, Jew, to the Jewish people who professed to have faith in Christ, and now we're facing persecution to, and, and, and temptation to go back to their old ways. It's kind of like a Christian in a snapshot, in a snapshot. Did I say snapshot? Snapshot, okay, in a way. Because that means that, you know, here we are as followers of Christ and there's these temptations or these tugs at what may have been the old way. But take a look and just back in chapter 11 a moment and you see that there are people there that are our famous faith Hebrews, heroes like Abraham and Moses. And uh, I'd like to pick up just a little bit on verse 1139 to help us lead into the therefore. Thirty-nine says, and all of these, they went through many, many, and you know a lot of them have gained approval through their faith. They did not receive what was promised because God's provided something better for us. And that's just astounding to me, that as you take a look at the, at the trials and, and the struggles and the, and the, the things that the people in, in uh, chapter 11 went through, and it says here that something better has been provided for us so that apart from us, they cannot be made perfect, meaning that their faith and our faith make a complete picture. They had the shadow and the promise. We have the actual outcome of the promise of Jesus coming and dying for our sins. So, therefore... Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. I think he's trying to tell us to stop, look, and listen here about what is going on because there's people, the witnesses are those in chapter number 11. I don't think that really there's this glass ceiling or glass floor in, in heaven where all the people that went before are watching you and me in the, in the race that we run. Because if they spent all the time watching us, oh, how boring would that be? But what happens is we have a collection, a cloud, a multitude of people who have had faith to get them through the journey of life in a magnificent way, being true to the God that they know. And that means we can have the same thing. You and I are in a race of a lifetime. And we have a purpose, and that purpose, that goal, 
is nothing other than Christ himself. To be more like Christ. To be practicing the presence of Christ. Now, as, as we look at going somewhere in this race, we have to think about the, anal or the metaphor that is being used by the writer. He's using the witnesses like people in, in, in the stands, and we say, well, really, it's, it's so much more than that for us because we have, go back in, in scriptures, and we can look at, and we can study, and we can see how the people looked for ways to be faithful, and God met their needs along that way. And so, as we look at our great goal in life, the great goal is to become more Christ-like. That's part of what our journey is right here. And I know that as we've read this, and I've, I've read it you know, often, that you sometimes think, okay, this is about my, my hustling journey off into heaven. Well, you know, maybe part of, it, you know, part of it's that way. But I think more importantly, it's that you and I have a daily, moment-by-moment -moment journey. And that daily, moment-by-moment -moment journey has this purpose of Christ, to be Christ-like to becoming more and more like him. And so, as we see the scriptures say, we have a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. The foot race in Greece was something of a, a big deal. Because what happened there is the, uh, the, the, the the people who participated in the race would kind of work out a little bit beforehand with weights around their legs, much the way that you see modern-day baseball players on the bat. They have that weight, like a washer, big washer on there, a weight that they take swings with so that when they step up, they can feel so much better about it. And so in this particular race that the writer is talking about, he's imploring us, to set aside every uh, encumbrance. Did you ever have an encumbrance? Let me give you a kind of a silly example. Uh, I have an encumbrance that I just took care of last night. And for a couple of days, you know, I had this uh, uh, splinter in my thumb. Now, I, I uh, have a couple of fireplaces, so I like to cut wood and chop wood. That's my therapy. But somehow, in the process, I had a splinter. Uh, and, and I pulled that splinter out, but little did I realize there was a little mini splinter in there. And so, for two days, uh, I, I, I just tried to get that. But it seemed to occupy so much time. And so, in the, you know, I'd just go somewhere and pick up a glass of water and, you know, it would bump it and it would, it would hurt. And so a lot of my day was seen to be focused on, i got to get this thing done. I can't. And so it, that was kind of an encumbrance for my day. It took over lots of things. And so the writer is saying here, as if you and I are going to make it to the prize, you know, the, the purpose is Christ and to be like him. The plan, this is part of the plan that we're working with. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. That entangling thing 
can be really bad. Adults do not do sack races very much, do they? Remember how you'd go to the Sunday school picnics and you'd get in these bags and you'd try to race with a sack in one leg and another person had a sack? And that's an encumbrance. But what the writer is saying here, what is it in your life that's keeping you from being fully devoted to this race? What's in this life of keeping you fixed on Jesus, as the scripture says? Fix your eyes on Jesus. And there could be things that you know that the devil is trying to get after. He's trying to get after our minds and our hearts and he's trying to pour, put wedges among us in our relationships. And we need to be able to say, you know what? There might be some things that I uh, need to change. There might be some things I need to lay aside. And I remember when I'm looking at one of the scriptures that, that says, cast down every burden. Cast your burdens before him before, because he cares for you. And that is a point where we can begin to think about running this race in a way without encumbrances. Pastor told you that we share this wonderful outlook at Beaver Creek State Park. I just can't, well, that's a restoring time for me when I go down there. And uh, one summer morning, about two or three, maybe three years ago, I, I jumped on my horse with a couple other people and we went into the Beaver Creek State Park horse trails. There, by the way, there's about 23 miles of trails. And, and so we, you realize that the, the Beaver Creek is not flatlands in there. If you've ever been there, there's no flatlands. So there, it's really great hills. And, and, and so when you're riding the horse, you've got to be, you know, make sure you're riding it correctly as you go down a hill, lean back a little bit so things don't topple forward. And there's a, a hill uh, that we call Goat Hill because it's a one-way hill. If you're going up Goat Hill and someone's coming down Goat Hill, well, then someone's in trouble because there's just no way to pass without falling over. But that uh, nice summer morning, I'm riding along, and in the, oh, the distance, I see this, this head bobbing up and down like that. And I'm thinking, oh, I can't really tell what that is yet. And so you really want your horses to not get startled by something. Uh, it's always good to find deer out there, but you, you really have to bear in mind that if the deer jumps off like that, so the horse would too. And so as I got closer and closer, this person jumped, Tom, oh, oh. and then I look, and it was him. He was, we, with the trails intersected somehow. And so uh, it was a, a horse trail, and he was on another trail, and we were both so surprised to see each other, we just didn't say anything for a little while. And then I asked him, well, how come you're carrying that suitcase? What's he running with a suitcase for? And then I looked, and, and, and then he, he had one shoe on and one shoe off. And I'm thinking, this guy, is, is he really running? Or what's he doing? You know, those are encumbrances that happen in life. He was really there, but he was, he was dressed right. It's, he had taken what he didn't need. He was absolutely down to the essentials. He wasn't even wearing a hat. He had shirt, shorts, and I don't know if he had socks on or not, but shoes. And he was prepared to run. 
He was prepared to be on the race. And it says very clearly here, for you and for me to lay aside, that's intentional. Lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And so that's what picture we see here of someone who is running and yet running with the essentials and everything else that gets in the way is gone. On this race, we don't want to have handicaps or burdens or hindrances or things that tie us down. We can be encircled by an overwhelming past that we may have had. Or we can be encumbered by the reality of sin, but then there is the time to deal with it. We cannot reach the goal if we are burdened down in such ways. So that means at times we have to think about discarding things. You know, there might be some things that are just a-okay as far as that goes, but maybe they're just consuming too much time and energy. Are there, are there habits or pleasures or, or relationships that hold us back and hold us down? It might be a time to pray for guidance and how to, how to simplify life to the point where the race is being run. Whatever holds us back must go. But I have a friend that says, come on to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is it possible to run a race and rest at the same time? I think it is. In the Christian life, we need to get rid of all the stuff that's in our way. Let us run with endurance. Boy, I like the the word steadfast endurance. I saw somewhere when I was reading steadfast endurance. When I was in high school, um, I I tried doing sprints because I just didn't have the endurance, I didn't think, to do a long distance run. So the sprints, got it and you're gone, okay? But in the endurance running, takes a special attitude. It takes a special planning. My granddaughter, my granddaughters are, have been in or are in cross country, and uh, I was not used to cross country. I was just used to zipping down the track. And so, but cross country opened my eyes to what it meant when we talk about endurance, a steadfast endurance that is there. And so that means that you and I have to remember that this is on the long haul. We have to plan for this getting to be Christ-like, this race that we're on isn't going to happen overnight. And so some things that we do to maintain that, that attitude of endurance. And I, I've seen you gather here, and you have the Sunday school blow, and you have fellowship a lot of the times, I'm sure, as well. But how about more time with Bible study, ourselves, with the Lord? How about more prayer? I have a little thing that I use to help me think about some disciplines, and it spells out the word saga, S-A-G-A. And some disciplines that I need to think about for endurance, and the first one is solitude, 
I need to be by myself. The world is filled with a lot of clamor. Have you been just by yourself in the Lord lately? So a discipline to help us endure is the solitude. And then there's a one, altitude. Altitude makes me think of, I'm getting my perspective in place. Perspective. And then the, the, the third one, gratitude. And gratitude means, of course, just exactly what you have been doing as a church, being thankful and showing it. And then the last one is attitude. The Philippians talks about, let this attitude or mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So those four disciplines are things that help us to be enduring people, solitude, altitude, gratitude, and, and, and attitude. And so the, says the race set out before us. That means I think that your race is a little different than mine. And that each of us have this set of orange cones that we should be running around and working through that kind of guide us where we want to go. Let me go back to the Beaver Creek State Park and the horse trails. I'm a guy that likes to know where I'm going. And there's a horse trail map, but it doesn't make any sense to me. So what you got to do is you keep got to go on the trail more than once and twice and three times. But you know what? Ah, there are people, believe it or not, that take their horses off the trail and start to make new ones. Well, maybe it's a good idea for some. Maybe they were just trying to find a shortcut. And so I've been on them. I've been on. Okay, I'm thinking, okay, let's see. Uh, there's a trail. Oh, this, this way looks shorter. I mean, this way looks like a trail. And I, I know it's going to be shorter. And so I'm, I'm on the horse and on the horse. And the trail is getting narrower and more narrow and more. And finally, I'm just in this big old bramble bush bit. And it went nowhere. And I have to get myself out of that. Are we trying to run the race that we want to run? Or are we racing the race that's set out before us? The race that's before us is right here. The word of God and the advice of godly people as well. Here is the big picture for me in this scripture. How much time do I have left? Okay. It says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Some of it says looking unto Jesus. But I love the idea of fixing. Ah, I wish my wife were here. She's not feeling well today, but I remember the first time that I saw her. I had heard about her. People told me about her. And, and believe it or not, as a, as a young person, I was, I was, it was a Wednesday night at church, and I was standing like this, and I was working with, of all things, the love chapter. Can you believe it? And in this lady, this girl walks, this beautiful girl, and I didn't glance at her. I gazed at her. I fixed my eyes at her. I wasn't looking over there, looking over there. And really, that's what the idea of fixing means, to look away from all those distractions that are part of life. And you know, there's a ton of distractions in life. And Satan is happy when you are distracted, is he not? 
And I remember that um, a reading one time, or actually seeing a little video about the Moody Bible Institute when they had a science uh, department, that there was a, a time when uh, they ran this experiment about perspective, about what you see. And so uh, they made these glasses that would fit on a person like this, but when you look through the glasses, everything was upside down. Okay, now, that means as I come to the steps and it's upside down, you've got to figure out how to go down the steps <laughs> without falling. And then I've got to figure out how to get out the doors, and, and they kept these glasses on, really, for two weeks. Two weeks, and after a few days, they got acclimated to it. The vision became acclimated so that what was upside down is now right side up. And you think, oh, that's quite an experiment, but it's not done. Because when they took the glasses off, guess what? Everything was upside down. And they had to learn all over again about how to see. Are we looking in the right way? I can get so wrapped up in what my agenda is and what I think I have to do because I'm looking at me. And people can bother me because I'm looking at me. Life can get in the way because I'm looking at me. But what are we asked to do here? How do we run this race that's set before us? Fix our eyes on Jesus. And you know, this race that we're in is not like the race that was the metaphor here in the scriptures because the race that you and I in are more, is more like a steeplechase where there's, or we're racing at, the, at uh, Beaver Creek, you know, there's hills and valleys and there's, there's water to jump over and there's hazards everywhere and that's the part of life that we live. And Jesus says, in this life you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And that's what I need as I run this race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the one who is the great example. He is the prize. You know, we've looked at, the, at, our, at, our, at our purpose. Our purpose is, is to run the race to be more Christ-like. We look at the plan, and we've gone through elements of that, and the prize is Jesus himself. And the prize who set before him, who went before us as the example, as the model of the one who entered the Holy of Holies so that we can too. And it only happened because of the following words that you see. He went through the humiliation, the shame, and the pain of the cross and sits at the right hand of God. And so as we race, as we're running, it's not all fun sometimes, but it's all important. It's not all happy, but it can always be joy. I believe in joy. I saw joy in a couple words up here, and I always like to use the phrase, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's the strength that helps me get through the race. We have in our Christian life Jesus as the example. But you know, Jesus, I'm going to add one more word here, 
is our presence. The, we have the presence. Jesus is both our guide and our companion in this race. One last illustration, and it's uh, one that some of you will remember. It was in 1992. Now, some of you were around in 1992. It was the Summer Olympics in Barcelona, Spain. And up in the stands was a man named George Redmond, whose son, Derek Redmond, was a premier 400-meter race runner. He was expected to win this race, to get the gold medal. And so the 400-meter race uh, is coming around, and so the father's up in the stands, and, and the, you know what fathers do. They're, they're standing and making other people upset. And, and so he's come, Derek's coming around, coming around, coming around, coming around, and all of a sudden he grabs hamstring. A man who's fully trained, trained beyond whatever you and I could do, something happened, and down he goes. And so the father sees the son. The father sees the one he loves collapsing in the race. And so what's the dad do? I wonder what I should do, he says. No, he doesn't. He, he makes a beeline down to that track. He jumps over things, over people. And, he, and while that's happening, Derek, the son, gets up on one foot, one leg, and starts to hop. He's about, 70, he's about 75 meters from the end. He still has a way to go. Everybody's gone. He gets up and he hops, starts to hop. And as he got up and starts to hop, then the crowd runs into this great, gigantic cheer for him. And he tries to go faster, and he's just about ready to fall when guess who grabs him? Dad, the father. The father grabs him, and together... I can still see the picture. Together, the three of them, the boy can hardly stand up. The father is just getting the boy to the finish line. And that's the beauty of us having our father. Because we're not in this race, just you and I standing alone and running alone. We have the companion who finishes the race with us. Let us pray. Dear Lord, how grateful we are that you are our loving Heavenly Father. And as we are in this race, we pray that you help us with the people that you bring to us to show them who you are. We thank you that we can have the joy in this journey. In Christ's name we pray.